Welcome back, everybody. This is the Blackwash Podcast. I'm your favorite host, Larry Sampson, with your co-host, Destiny Johnson. And you know how we do it on the show. Before we get into today's topic, let's talk about what's on our mind. And what is on my mind is expectations. And this is the reason why expectations are on my mind. I was over there watching the Jets and the Bills game. And mind you, when you're a sports fan or a sports fanatic, football or whatever your sport of choice, it's all year round. Whether there's games being played or there's not games being played, it's constantly on your mind. And the off season gives you an opportunity to build expectation. And the reason why that's on my mind is because those of you who are a sports fan and watch the game know that on Aaron Rodgers' fourth play, I believe, he got injured and is out for the year. And now so many Jets fans are so devastated because of expectation. They thought they had a Super Bowl winning team, a team that was going to do great things. And with the injury in the one play within seconds, all of those go to shit. And the reason why I want to talk about expectations is because just like Jets fans around the country and perhaps around the world, so many of us have set certain expectations in life. Many of us want to be married at a certain time, maybe have kids, maybe pursue a, a, a certain career path. And along that journey, there was an event of finality. And what I mean by an event of finality, there was a point you came to the realization that whatever that expectation was, whatever that goal was, was no longer going to happen for whatever reason, whether or not the door actually legitimately closed or you closed it unnecessarily, you realized that that wasn't going to happen. And it was those expectations that really set you down. And I just want to kind of say that what's been on my mind is being reflective of life. And I've thought to myself, what are the expectations I've had for myself that have made me perhaps look at things in a overly negative way when I have so many things to be so proud of and so many things to be so thankful for? So I just leave you kind of with that. Think about the expectations you're setting. Don't be afraid to set the bar high. But when you don't reach the expectation and you deal with the downturns of that, don't necessarily allow it to hold more weight than it should. Destiny, what's on your mind today before we get into today's topic? Yeah, and just to respond to what you're saying is something that I recently implemented for my life because I have a tendency to focus on negative things rather than positive things. Like I've always been that way, no matter what accomplishments that I meet in life or whatever, like I'm always just more focused on like these unrealistic deadlines that I set for myself. I don't want to say unrealistic because that's such a like jab, like everything can be attainable, but I get like really set in my ways when I don't um, meet deadlines, these un these deadlines that I set for myself. So what I did recently, and I encourage other people to do it, I haven't pulled them out and read them yet, but I created a jar of like all the accomplishments that I did. So every time something good happens in the day, like I kind of like write it down and put it in there because it's so easy to just like forget or bypass like little things that you do. And then like at the end of the year, I'm going to read them so that I can make myself like, like remind myself like I'm doing good at life. 
basically. Like, you don't have to just like dwell on like what you didn't do because there's probably 10 things that you did do, but that one thing is just overpowering everything else. So I encourage everyone else to do that because I feel like it's going to make me feel good. And I actually need to add to that. And I'm going to actually say that something before we we get um, on with today's topic that so oftentimes, and I, and I read this in a book before, where it says nobody appreciates sight like the blind and nobody appreciates hearing like the deaf. And it's like so, like so often we forget about all the things that went well, even in a shitty situation. Just as recently, um, I got my car got caught up in the flood and now my whole engine is blown and they're saying they're going to have to total out my car or buy a new engine and, and all this other nonsense. And then I just think to myself, when I woke up the next morning before I was able to get a rental, like every day before this, I was able to hop up and get in my car and go wherever. And I never thought to myself like, oh, well, this is just some amazing thing because it's just a happen says, oh, grab my keys, go, grab my keys, go, grab my keys, go. And then so when I was kind of stuck at home for those two days before I got the rental or however long before I got the rental, I actually think it was longer than that because I think it was over the Labor Day weekend. I thought to myself, I didn't even take the time to be grateful for that. You know what I'm saying? And then even in the midst of having my car needing, you know, to be repaired, I didn't even take the time to be like, well, at least I wasn't injured. At least, you know, there's a lot of people who in those same conditions ended up hitting a wall or hitting another person. And it's like, you never take the time to really think about all the things that went right in your day. Even on the worst of days, so many things went right in that day and you never took the time to appreciate it. So at the end of the day, you go, oh, today was a bad day. And you say, what happens? And a lot of times it's one thing, but all of the most important things happen. You woke up, you had, you knew where your food was coming from, X, Y, and Z. So just try to keep a positive perspective. Destiny, what's today's topic? Yeah. Um, so today's topic is something that's been going on for quite a few months. Well, I mean, it's been going on for quite a few years, but I think it's just come to the public's attention a few months ago. And we're finally going to talk about it because I mean, there's, it's a developing story and it keeps having more and more moving parts. So, um, for all the people that don't know, there is a Supreme Court. You should know if you've been listening to this podcast by now. So there's a Supreme Court and there are um, some justices who have lifetime appointments on the Supreme Court. So it's like they don't have a firing date. They don't have a retiring date. They are just on the court. And that's why it's so important um, when it's like election time, like who we elect and when there's vacancies on the court, like the president can nominate people to the court. So Donald Trump, he had a big part in setting the court to like what it is today, because I believe he nominated three people to the court. And then that's when we got decisions such as like Dobbs that are, you know, like historical decisions that are basically like rewriting the Constitution not rewriting the constitution, but like changing laws that are affecting people in their day-to-day -day lives. I feel like the Supreme Court for sure has way more power than what we believe the president has. So um, one of the justices, um, Clarence Thomas, 
Um, he is a black justice and he was appointed by Bush. He basically took Thurgood Marshall's seat. He has been accused of pretty much like taking bribes. And why this is important is because he is a justice. So he has a lot of power and weight in deciding cases that basically are the precedent and law of the country. So the allegations are like for, I believe like 20 years or something, he has been getting like luxury vacations and all of this like paid expense treatment by a Republican donor, Harlan Crow. And he, um, he basically, I don't know if you guys know, this is like a lot of moving parts in like one, one episode. So if you guys don't know, there was actually a really good episode of the Simpsons and Bart was running for president. And you know, when you're running for president, like you need money, like you need sponsors. And Harlan Crow, his role, he's like a billionaire, has tons of money. Like he supports people that are like running for office and he like gives them money. And usually those people will like advocate for like whatever his position is or like whatever he wants. And like, that's gonna get him money. So it's like kind of like a conflict of interest here. So, you know, they're like, Clarence Thomas, like you need to retire. Like these are impeaching, these are impeachable offenses that you are taking part in. Like you can't do this. And he's like, I'm refusing to answer. And of course, Republicans who are benefiting from this, they're not going to push the issue. So it's just like, where is the morality of the Supreme Court today? Here's the thing. And I, and I think it's a fair question, right? It's a fair question to say where's the morality of the Supreme Court. But I think we gotta, again, I always try to tell people, especially people who are not well-versed in politics or you know, don't think deeply about certain things that I think we make a mistake if we assume that certain people in certain positions differ than mo how most people operate, right? So when we think about the morality of the situation there's one or two ways to think about it right if i'm clarence thomas right or if i'm anybody within the supreme court uh position or anybody in any position of influence and i say hey i'm going to you know operate within my profession within my role um with morals and with whatever standards that i'm required to do and all these gifts that i accept have no bearing on my ability to perform my duties, right? There is something to be said for that perspective, right? But also, opposite of that perspective, more or less, there's something to be said about the perspective of even the appearance, anybody who's in, ever been legally trained will know that there's this kind of concept of the the appearance of impropriety, the appearance, like a lot of times a judge may refuse, recuse themselves, not because they don't think they can do the job, but there might be the appearance that they can't do the job. A lot of times they'll say, well, if if we're both friends and stuff like that, or you're my, one of the lawyers is my son-in-law and the appearance of impropriety would, would kind of, put some sort of dampen on whatever process that's going to take place, I have to recuse myself, right? 
So, and the only reason why I say that is I haven't seen anything 100% to say Clarence Thomas, because he is a conservative justice, and the people who've been giving him money are conservatives. So they might just have the same philosophy about the world. They might be already agreeing. He already might be inclined to do the things they already wanted done, right? So the reason why I'm saying that is there's nothing that I've seen that says 100% Clarence Thomas did X because somebody promised him Y. And I feel like the fact that we're asking the question, though, if that occurred, if you're in that type of position, I don't think you should be able to move in a certain way that you could legitimately hold a, a, that seat while people legitimately have those type of questions of whether or not you're being influenced and acting um, outside of what you think is best for the nation. Well, this is just like my, I think this is how the public looks at the situation is like, it doesn't matter like what you guys have going on, if your family members or what your relationship is. But I think people genuinely know that there's always an ulterior purpose. Like no one's just going to give you all these things and not expect something from you at some point. And the things that he's accepting are like luxury vacations. Like this guy's a billionaire, like private jets to like places like all over the country, like securities, like billionaire yachts. Like, I think he was even like paying like for school for like one of his family members. And it's just like, sure, maybe you haven't compromised like your fair and impartiality obligation on the court at this point. But if there is something that he has interest in, like you're obviously going to be more inclined, even if it wasn't even your, your interest to side in that favor or decide whatever, like, because you're indebted to him at this point. Yeah. And, and here's the thing where it calls into question, right? It calls into question when you look at his record, right? Because I think there's no way with 100% unless he's explicitly steady. Yeah, this is, I did this for this reason, you know, quid pro quo. They paid me this, so I made this ruling, right? Absent that type of evidence, you'll never really know. But it, it, it calls into questions like the decisions he made on affirmative action, right? And I'm not saying I don't know, completely know his record, right? But more or less, there's a there's a better than fair chance that he benefited from the fact that there was affirmative actions and and uh, connection to the college admissions when he went to Yale and graduated. Well, he admitted that he's admitted that, and he did not like that. That undermined his ability to be where he was. Yeah, and so if he's even admitted that affirmative action helped him get to Yale, it's like for you to have been a been benefited from that and then say okay well now i'm gonna vote against it don't get me wrong you could have been the type of person who's just a certified hater and was like shit i want to be on to come up but i don't want anybody else to come up like you could be like that but it begs the question of whether or not you whether or not that you were incentivized maybe if these rich people and, and we've talked about the netflix documentary before whether or not these rich people have been influenced you to do something that would negate something that has helped you 
out a tremendous amount in your own personal life. So I think a decision like that, when you when you have that history of being personally benefited from a certain policy and then voting against it, it makes you question like, "Hmm, why did you do that? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Whereas maybe someone's less inclined to think you were swayed on a topic such as abortion, where you never would have been elected to it if you wouldn't have passed the litmus test um, of the conservative side on that particular issue. A hundred percent. And like, that's literally what it is. And people are like, you know, like we need to reopen these cases. Like, you know, this is such unjust on his behalf, all these things. And like, since, you know, a lot of like these records are coming to fruition and like the public is getting hold of them and it's so many bribes that they're calling it that now his response to it because usually like supreme court justices um they don't really have statements like they can't have like opinions on things or can't say like politically state like what their stance is because you know this is their role like they're supposed to just be neutral all the time his response um for having security around i believe it was like may whenever the dobbs decision the abortion decision was leaked um he said you know this was leaked to the public and i needed to have extra security so that is why i accepted this from harlan crow which is kind of like a slap in the face of the public like oh this actually happened and you're just using this as an excuse when a month later when it was going to be released it would have been the same situation were you going to need private security then like why this leak that happened one month prior just um resulted in you needing like extra security like it's just ridiculous and he's not taking accountability for it it doesn't even seem like he's being forthcoming with information or like being truthful and like i don't expect anyone would ever believe that he would do the right thing and just like step aside or resign and 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 here's the thing right so the right thing is is multi-layered if we're honest right if we know the nature of the Supreme Court justice, right, it's a very powerful position, it's a lifetime appointment, you know, there is, you know, of course, while they're supposed to be impartial, you know, a lot of them feel like they owe something, maybe not necessarily contractually, and they shouldn't feel that way, that they owe something to the people who got them in there. And if I just leave, then that leaves it open for Joe Biden to put whoever he wants in there Mm -hmm. and so there's a difference of you know it could be fair more or less if he was in this position to say hey i probably should step aside but let me step aside when a republican's in office Uh you know so i and like i said they should be thinking calculate like that because we're supposed to have this kind of perfect world where each uh Supreme Court justice is voting their conscience more or less, but as it works out in a practical sense, I could I could foresee a scenario where people, a person in that position would say like, "Hey, I understand that I've kind of tasted the court, I've gave the I've given the appearance of impropriety, but also um, I'm going to wait until somebody who aligns more so with my values." Um, is in a position 
to make sure that they continue to put the country on a track that I more so agree it's in its best interest. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, um, you know, this is, I know if you guys are paying attention to like when Donald Trump was in office, he was impeached twice. And they're actually talking about bringing impeachment um, offenses against um, Biden. But I think Democrats are kind of like trailing on this issue because um, like the Republicans, like they still um, are, they still control the house. So it's like, Hey, even if we, cause the only way to get a Supreme court justice off the court is to impeach them. And it's like, if we do have impeachment proceedings against him, like, you know, the Republicans are still just going to keep him in here. So it'd be like a waste of our time. So that's like the issue here. It's just a lot of politics. He's not the only person on the court that has been allegedly taking these bribes, but he definitely has a lot of them. And he is the focus of the conversation right now. So it's just going to be really interesting how this all plays out. Like we're um, approaching um, elections and um, the presidential election as well. But these are all things to keep in mind and why it's always so important to vote. Yeah, no, like I said, consistent with what Destiny said, not only do you always want to vote, but you always want to be vigilant, right? Because a lot of times the job for many stops after they vote. They're, they're watching CNN, they're watching MSNBC, they're watching Fox News all during election season. And then like after they stop and they no longer are in the know of what's happening. And then they make the their voting decisions next time, either, either through um, a, a false sense of loyalty to a particular party or how they think their paycheck was, a, you know, affected by whomever they voted for. And they're not doing the work to continue the education. And I always say it's so very, very important to not only be educated when you go to the ballot box, but be educated on the results of that decision once the election is over. And so, so for a lot of people, it's very, very, very important that when you have these appearances of impropriety, when it looks like somebody's in their position doing something they're not supposed to, that you keep that kind of, you know, vigilant eye. Because if everybody just turns a blind eye, then people continue to do this. And then we continue to get policy that only helps a small percentage of people and doesn't help the, the people as a whole. A hundred percent. But that's all we have for you guys today. I really appreciate you guys for joining us and we'll catch up with y'all next week. All right, thanks you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our podcast. I am Destiny Johnson. I'm Larry Sampson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we said that shit. And we meant that shit.